Welcome to the Scotland's Choice podcast. Join us on the journey as we discuss the choices for the Scottish public as we prepare for the referendum. We'll talk about what we do differently to Westminster already with the limited powers we do have and what we could and would do differently with the full powers of independence. Why? Because we want everyone to be informed, involved and hopefully inspired to look at the possibilities for Scotland. As our country renews, we need to choose our own future before somebody else chooses it for us. I'm your host, Drew Hendry, and I'm also an MP at Westminster. In this episode, I'm talking to David Lyndon MP as two very different parliaments restart after the Scottish election, and we look at the vastly different approach to the policies that they set out. David is not only an MP at Westminster, but has also worked in the parliaments in Brussels and Holyrood. A former employee of Glasgow Credit Union, his passions in life for his family, his football team Airdrie, where he's a season ticket holder, and he describes himself as an avid angler. The opening act at the Westminster Parliament is the Queen's Speech. So let's listen to some of what David had to say. Now we all know, Madam Deputy Speaker, that a Queen's Speech is a statement of intent about government priorities. And it's clear that strengthening employment rights is not a priority for this British Conservative government. In fact, it appears that the Tories care more about introducing draconian voter ID laws to suppress election turnouts in poorer areas than introducing paid leave for parents just like myself, whose babies at times have been fighting for their lives on neonatal units every single day. So, no employment bill means no making good on promises around neonatal leave and pay. But, Madam Deputy Speaker, no employment bill means so much more. It means a failure to outlaw fire and rehire a campaign which has been spearheaded by my honourable friend from Paisley and Renfrewshire North. It means a failure to legislate for flexible working. It means a failure to reform the inadequate statutory sick pay system which was found utterly wanting during the height of the pandemic. Today in Westminster, it's been Queen's Speech Day. This is the uh, first day of Parliament following the uh, elections in Scotland and, of course, in other places around uh, the UK. Um, We've had the government put forward their uh, Queen's Speech, which I think uh, for most Scottish people will be completely irrelevant to them uh, from what we can see there. What what did you think of uh, what was served up for us today? Well, I think, as is so often the case, you know, this Tory government does really, really well in terms of its communications, in terms of the, the big, wonderful announcements, but when you drill down to that Queen's speech today, it was utterly uninspiring, really, really bland, and when you look at it and think, what actually applies to Scotland here? Not very much, and so that's why it's so important that we have a choice, um, the idea that Scotland can choose its own future, because clearly this Westminster government has got nothing left to offer Scotland, and I think that's a message that was unequivocally sent by voters in Scotland who sent so many SNP MSPs to Holyrood last week. Indeed, and let's hear what uh, Ian Blackford, the Westminster leader, said in the Queen's speech uh, because today. last Thursday, the people of Scotland turned out in record numbers, the highest turnout that we have seen at a Scottish parliamentary election, to re-elect the SNP government for a fourth consecutive term. Here, here. They turned out to support that message of hope and change, so brilliantly characterised by our First Minister. It was an election that broke nearly every record in the book. What was that? Thumping victory for the SNP last week. The 48% of the vote, um, you know, just 85% of the constituency seats. That's a message that Westminster would be foolish to ignore, don't you agree? 
under any other circumstances, absolutely. But even more than that, you know, this is 14 years into government. This is the fourth time the SNP, in terms of a Scottish government, has subjected itself to the ballot box. And to have such a resounding mandate on a very clear, unequivocal message of putting Scotland's future in Scotland's hands is something that any British government that respects democracy could not ignore. But more than that, you know, the, the opposition here at Westminster, the Conservative government, said that a vote for the SNP would be a vote for an independence referendum. And do you know what, Drew? They're right. And that's why it's so important that the Westminster government concedes that that mandate that we've got last week is utterly unquestionable and that people in Scotland should have but, the choice but, of the, the future. But the Tories have said it wasn't about Indy Ref 2 during the the, the last election, they, they never mentioned it, it was an afterthought That's, uh, I think I'm almost directly quoting Michael Gove when he said that, that it, was, uh, it was really all about Covid and nothing else for them well, I mean, I, I think most of your listeners will have had their, their leaflets to the letterbox that suggesting <laughs> the only way to stop a second referendum was to defeat the SNP in the ballot box. I think it's quite clear that by winning 85% of the constituency seats, that that's a pretty clear endorsement of Scotland having the right to choose its own future. But I think the important thing here as well is that, you know, the, the, a vote for the SNP at the, the elections last year wasn't a vote for independence. It was a vote for the principle of Scotland having the opportunity to join that lifeboat from a, a post-Brexit Britain run by Boris Johnson and hurtling towards austerity economics um, and surely any United Kingdom government that wants to respect democracy, certainly any United Kingdom government that advocates a, a proud global Britain brand w- would be willing to t- respect democracy. Indeed, well, let's, before we go into the talk about your speech tonight, which I, I really want us to do let, let's hear another clip from uh, Ian Blackford's speech from today Last week's elections brought into stark focus the chasm in the political choices being made in different parts of the United Kingdom because the differing values in leadership between the Prime Minister and our First Minister and the tale of two governments in London and in Edinburgh has crystallised that choice of two futures. Time and time again, the majority of people in Scotland back a progressive, inclusive, outward-looking vision for the future of our nation. This has been our direction of travel since we gained some powers through devolution. And yet, in this Westminster Parliament... We are facing many more years of right-wing Brexit-obsessed Tory governments that we didn't vote for taking us in a direction that we haven't chosen. That was a theme that you uh, very much built on in your speech tonight when you were talking about the the need to tackle things like uh, the employment law, uh, which of course is reserved to Westminster just now, but you were talking about things like fire and hire. Uh, fire and rehire, and uh, the fact that there's been very little effort to make put in place any protections for uh, workers. Yeah, it is. And you know, it's not even the fact that there's nothing on fire and rehire. I mean, this is two Queen's speeches in a row where we've been promised an employment bill. You know, if you believe, as I certainly don't, but if you believe Westminster Brexiteers, um, they will say that, you know, it's about taking back control, it's about Britain being able to improve workers' rights. Um, but this is now a second year when the UK government has had the opportunity to bring forward legislation to put on the statute books the ability to protect workers. Now, our SNP colleague, our good friend Gavin Jones, has done so much running on the issue of fire and rehire, particularly when the Labour Party have been totally absent, totally all at sea. In fact, arguably, they've, they've been doing their own fire and rehire this week, you know, firing Angela Rayner <laughs> and then reappointing her to another role. But quite aside from that, you know, Gavin has really hit the nail on the head about fire and rehire. That was, some of that was highlighted in his own constituency by BA. But here at Westminster, MPs on a regular basis have been raising this to the United Kingdom government. 
and they could have brought forward a bill in this clean speech. But instead, what they've decided to do is to go after uh, people in working class communities who don't have ID to vote at polling stations, when instead what they could be doing is providing proper protections for workers. And so, so many of us who campaign to remain in the European Union because of the, the hard-won gains of workers' rights in Europe now find it rather alarming that the UK government has nothing to say in workers' rights, whether that's in terms of fire and rehire or some of the, the wider practices. And I think the absence of an employment bill today is something that should be deeply, deeply worrying. But your listeners back home in Inverness need not worry because there is an opportunity for people in Scotland to take a different path, not to have employment law directed by government ministers in London that people in Scotland haven't voted for, but instead by a government in, in Edinburgh that's been directly elected by people in Inverness well, and right across Scotland. in Inverness and right across Scotland, as you rightly said. The, the, the difference there, you were talking, as you know, also mentioned earlier, about a table of two governments, it's choices, different choices are being made by the two governments. One has a hand tied behind its back because it doesn't have the powers, the other one just doesn't want to do these things that would support people. You were talking about immediate plans to support youth employment, invest in better and greener jobs, and uh, you know a range of other things, including you know the, all those issues that you just covered under employment law, uh, giving the hardest hit businesses the help they need to support local communities. Critically, you said, uh, and I think I'm quoting you directly here, the lack of urgency or action in the Queen's speech on the stuff that matters to most people is precisely why the Tories were once again roundly rejected at the ballot box. Well, it's not the fact that they've just roundly rejected the ballot box. They've actually been rejected at every election in Scotland since the 1950s. And so this comes back to this this concept of a democratic deficit. You know, the fact that people in Scotland go out and vote for other parties that are not the Conservatives. But yet we get lumped by uh, a Conservative government. We didn't vote for a, a Prime Minister who appears to be focused more on, you know, wallpaper rather than papering over the, the, the cracks of the injustices of employment um, situations in, in, in the UK. So what we really need to do is to get a, a government that is focused on the day job. Yeah. Clearly, this British government isn't focused on making better the, the, the lives and the, the working lives of ordinary people in the country. And the only way that we're really going to do that is if we have a government in Edinburgh directly elected by people and of in Scotland. of course, we can get that by having Scotland's choice clearly demonstrated at a referendum, which there is now an overwhelming mandate for in the Scottish Parliament. Well, I think it's, it's, un- it's unquestionable. Um, and, and anybody who professes to be a Democrat would surely agree that by having a majority of MSPs in the Scottish Parliament, I think over 70 MSPs now support the concept of Scotland having the right to choose its future. This isn't about yes or no, this isn't about independence of the union, this is simply about people having the opportunity to choose their future. Um, And and I was was really reflecting on this in the the, the flight down to Westminster this week. This concept that, you know, back at the, you know, 1999, the the first election of the Scottish Parliament, only about 30 odd MSPs supported uh, Scottish independence or the idea of a referendum. We're now in a situation where just 20 20 years on, over 70 members of the Scottish Parliament who have been democratically elected support that. There's a clear majority and it's therefore incumbent upon this Westminster government to listen to that majority and give Scotland the right to choose its own future. Indeed, you made the point today actually and I think it's worth uh, flagging up that one of the pieces of the legislation that's in the Queen's speech from the Tory UK government uh, today is about legislating uh, for an electrical, electoral integrity bill. Yeah, so this is really their, their ruse 
to try and, and, and bring about by statute uh, voter suppression. Um, so essentially, if you turn up to the polling station and you don't have a driving license or a passport, and I can tell you through that you know a huge number of my constituents in East End of Glasgow don't have these pieces of ID um, that you won't be able to vote. But the idea that the UK government are saying everything is about electoral integrity, it's about strengthening democracy, it's about making sure that that process is legitimate. The idea that they want to talk about electoral integrity whilst ignoring the fact that a majority of people in Scotland, indeed a majority of Scottish MSPs support Scotland's right to choose, I think is one that's untenable and that will surely fall uh, under scrutiny. Indeed, on that uh, on that note, I think we'll uh, leave it there for uh, today. David, David, can I thank you very much for uh, your pleasure. time? There we have it. When it comes to our future, the people of Scotland will decide. Having elected a parliament with a big majority of MSPs who campaigned for and won a renewed mandate for an independence referendum. That will be Scotland's choice. Employment law, like so many others, would be more progressive and more representative if made in Scotland. My thanks again to David Linden. You can find out more about his work at davidlinden.scot. If you've enjoyed this podcast, it's good to share this information to help others to appreciate the different choices we make and could do more of in Scotland with the powers. My thanks to you for listening. You can find new and previous episodes of Scotland's Choice at scotlandschoice.scot. I'm Drew Hendry and I hope to see you next time on Scotland's Choice. Thank you.